maybe it's because I'm from Mexico, but for example, if I say I'm from Mexico, somebody will say tacos or tequila. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your answer? Double. Double, double. Double, double, yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alan Hill, the nostalgic vagabond. I lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s. I'm less of a nomad these days. In this podcast series, I'm catching up with old friends, wonderful people I've met on the traveller's trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. One of the things I love about travel, and in particular solo travel, is the opportunity to meet new and interesting people. What's surprising, at least it was for me in the beginning, is the speed at which genuine connections can be created. Sometimes you can spend a few days with someone, or even less, a matter of hours, and form a common bond through being open to one another and sharing your experiences. My guest on this episode is Ulysses Santamaria. Ulysses and I met over breakfast in a little indie hostel in the centre of Budapest in 2019. I thoroughly enjoyed the few hours I spent in conversation with Ulysses, chatting about anything and everything, as we explored some of the sites together. Ulysses is a very humble, very wise, and an incredibly smart and creative individual. Journalist, freelance strategic communication consultant, plus director of communications and digital marketing at AV3 Aerovisual in Mexico. It's hard to think how he finds the time to pursue his passion, light photography, but he does. With 21st century technology, it's almost too easy to keep in touch or catch up with people all over the world. During the height of the initial pandemic, I zoomed across the Atlantic to speak with Ulysses at home in the middle of Mexico. We spoke for so long, I've had to make this a double episode. Anyway, that's enough of just me. Here's our conversation. Hello, Ulysses. You look well. Thank you. I'm I'm really I'm really tired. I I wasn't able to sleep that well. Okay. But uh, I have discovered that meditation allows me a lot to to recover my energy the next morning. Right. So I've been doing lots of meditation the last three months. So it's been great. And how many minutes of meditation do you need to feel the energy again after having a bad night's sleep? Uh, twenty minutes will do it. Twenty minutes. That's not so bad. No, 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 it's pretty good. It's hard to to put yourself into that mood if you haven't done it before. So 20 minutes at the beginning was very long, actually. But right now, it's actually perfect. It's like, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating because I was talking with a, a lady uh, from Croatia on the previous podcast episode who was saying exactly the same thing as you. She likes to meditate in the morning, and it's very, very helpful. Okay. But it took a little bit of building an, a, a positive habit, especially in the beginning, to force yourself to commit to mm -hmm. giving time to meditation because then you get the benefits after. Yes, definitely. It's, uh, and I think what's more important is the intention, is what you, yeah, you need to have an intention when you meditate, definitely. Either to recover your energy or to heal or to let go of something or... Yeah, it definitely. If you do it that way, it definitely, you can see the results for sure. So are you saying you need a specific goal for each meditation session to, to, to get to? Yes, yes, I, I think. Well, 
that's what I have read. And also as long with the time, I have noticed that if I put my mind in, into certain thoughts, that will have an impact on how I feel, not ne necessarily towards those thoughts during the day, but in general, uh, like uh, more, how can I say, more, more open to any change that could happen throughout the day, especially more concentrated, like with the, pan with the isolation, it's, uh, I think we all have faced this uh, struggle to actually concentrate and uh, trying to be productive, even though we are stuck in our house and we're supposed to be more productive because we are not going anywhere. Or, I mean, I, I, I can see why other people have been struggling with, the, with that issue. At the beginning, I was, because I've been working, like I mentioned to you on the email, um, on the, our first email, I've been working a lot. I haven't stopped working. I've been super productive, but there was a point where I was like really overwhelmed by all, all of this. So I turned the other way and for a week I was not productive at all. <laughs> wow. And, and, and now I'm getting back to, to a more conscious uh, workflow during my day. But this has helped me definitely to concentrate and really improve all the, the time, the, the hours that I use to do certain projects or to work on certain things. Since I work in different projects, I need to organize my day. Of course. Uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ulysses, I wanted to say thank you very much for joining me on the podcast episode today. You're in Mexico. Well, I'm zooming into Mexico to speak with you. And I was just curious, uh, how is the situation there right now? You mean in terms of... Uh... The coronavirus and pandemic, the weather? <laughs> <laughs> The, the weather, it's, it's actually nice today. It's, it's warm, but it, the, it's, it's cool. The region that I live, I live in the center of Mexico. The city that I live in is Querétaro, that's the name. In the center of the country, you have the beginning of the semi-desert area of Mexico. If you go down south Querétaro, you start to, to see more vegetation. It gets greener, definitely. And also if you go to the sides, to the either to the Pacific coast or the Gulf of Mexico. Here, the nights and the mornings are, are cooler because of that feeling of the desert area. But as soon as the sun starts to rise, it gets super hot and, and dry. But recently it's been really nice and we've been having some rain, so, it's, so it has been good. Okay. Regarding the coronavirus, we say, like we say in Mexico, we are in a hole and digging it uh, hard, I think, because- wow. Yeah, um, we are, we're a big country at the end. We are more than 100 million people. The situation, it's very, uh, how can I say, there's no balance in terms of how many people are able to actually put themselves into all these rules and uh, precautions that have to be taken regarding the coronavirus. So mm. There are areas like in Africa where people don't even have clean water. So yeah. this thing about washing your hands all the time and, and being all uh, lots of sanity around and you, it's really hard, you know, like yeah. for many people, that's not even a possibility. So that, that's one part of the story that it's really bad. The other part of the story is that we as Mexicans, we have uh, some issues culturally as a society the perceptions towards government and politicians and all these things have decreased with the pass of time. And uh, we, we all believe that they're, most of them are a bunch of corrupts. Mm. And um, 
So when they ask us to do something, we don't pay attention, <laughs> even though it's, it's a, a huge, a global situation, yeah. we don't pay attention and we don't follow the, the rules that they're asking us to, yeah. to follow. There's a lot of uh, people who don't care and who truly believe that this is a, a fantasy, a huge lie that, that they wanted to control us. And that's a very different conversation and very interesting one for sure. But uh, at the end, it's hard to tell right now. And, uh, and since that had happened, the, the, the pandemic had extended longer than we expected. And right now we're still taking care of ourselves a lot. Uh, we're still trying to be in quarantine and it seems like it's going to take uh, even longer. Right. Yeah. And the other part, which is, um, you know, numbers, politicians love to use numbers to, to say they're doing okay or whatever. So here they try to, to settle down or make things look not so bad by using their numbers. And it's true that most of the hospitals are not packed with people. But that's, there are many things to consider about that because on one side, these hospitals have not the capacity to, to receive, uh, to truly uh, take care of people. So people rather not go. And if they go, they get really bad treatment. Like most of the people that work there, their job conditions are not the greatest. So they don't really care at the end. Like there's not a lot of conviction in what they do. Like this, happen this happens a lot. So people die in hospitals also because they are not treated well, not because maybe they don't have enough uh, breathing respiratory machines or things like that. And on the other side, there are people who are not willing to let go their relatives in a hospital because once you get into a hospital and, you, and it's for sure that you're going to die, you won't be able to see your family and they will uh, incinerate you and there won't be a chance to have a contact with your family. So I have known many families that decided not to report the death for coronavirus of a relative, just to be able to give them the proper, uh, I don't know how to say Ceremony. This. Yeah, exactly. So wow. it's, uh, like I said, there's this cultural thing, this social thing, the government, and, which is making things a little bit worse. Yeah, it's a very tricky situation, isn't it? And I, yeah. I, I appreciate what you are saying about Mexico having such a huge and diverse population and also a, a broad spectrum of wealth distribution. Even just political opinion and lifestyle is very difficult to manage in that sense. But I suppose it's not something that's specific only to all the other countries in the world are, are suffering similar types of responses that the population are having towards the rules, regulations and the government and the situation in general. It's a really dark time, but I think as much as there's lots of negatives, we also have to look for the positives within ourselves and within our communities. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think, I think it, was, it was important that something came and really shake the comfort of society not really that people in poverty were living in comfort, but in, I mean, in terms of the conception of what it's, what it, who we are and what's going on around us. And I think that all these feelings that have been arise since the pandemic, you know, like in the US, the Black Lives Matter movement. And here we have our own history of police brutality and police corruption and 
also racism because we are a country that was based on a mix uh, mixing uh, races but definitely there was one that it was more prominent or powerful at the end so we do have those issues and all that has been happening is also making mexican society start to think about these issues and and question them and say well it's happening in the us or other countries but here we have our own reality that we need to work on so on one side i think it's it's good i think it will be good if we are able to truly digest <laughs> properly uh, what all these things are happening and learn a lot from the situation and become more wise and make better choices in the future for everybody what i the only thing that i find complicated sorry just to finish my idea is that um, since feelings are being put into the into the mix of this formula people are very passionate and that makes hard to have a real conversations because people are very passionate about what they feel and and, yes. and, and that's fair it, i understand why it is but that's that is not letting us go through really the topics and and really have this meaningful conversations that we need to have right now like mm. there's a lot of hate going on in the conversation and i and i think if there's a conspiracy theory that's part of the plan i definitely believe that that's part of the plan and if it's not it's fucked up sorry for that but that's it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's fine <laughs> it's the passion <laughs> it's the pas yes i i couldn't control myself but yeah yeah that's uh, I, I hope I really hope that hate can fade away sooner, yeah, and we can really start to have a conversation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%, Ulysses. I think uh, what you're saying is something that we also say a lot in uh, in Australia and in the UK too. That if you're trying to have an argument or you're, if you're trying to have an, a debate, you need to remove your personal emotion from that and keep your wisdom and your intellect and your logic consistent without becoming overwhelmed by your emotion or your passion for your point of view but argue mm -hmm. properly and with a wisdom to not be jaded by uh how you feel about the situation necessarily yes yes moving on to something of a pre-covid-19 or coronavirus area <laughs> and i, I want to talk about when we met in budapest uh, in october of 2019 which wasn't very long ago at all, yes. but it seems like a different lifetime ago with all the things that have been happening in 2020. I just want to uh, confess with you that for me, it had been quite a long time uh, since I had stayed in a hostel. I'd been traveling um, with couch surfing or staying in, in more uh, lavish hotels or with friends or on sort of business trips, which is great too. But I, I had not stayed in a hostel for a while and I was curious if it had changed in that time, and especially with the continuing pace of the improvements in technology and the way uh, we live as a society, I was curious, are we going to just be looking at our phones all the time? Or am I going to meet some people in this hostel like I used to? And I was really happy and, and glad that we were just sitting opposite across the table one morning and just started talking uh, about traveling and about where we come from and, and what places we've been visiting recently about our hobbies and what we like about Budapest. And then we just carried on for that day. We hung out in the afternoon. We went for a couple of beers at night and it was just one or two days, but it was a very positive experience and a nice time just chilling out in a new city and sharing that moment together. How was it for you? It was actually exactly what I asked 
of my trip before I left Mexico. I decided to go on solo traveling because it was important for me to to connect uh, in every single place that I went. But how can I say this? In 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 a mood that you don't expect anything really. Like you have this this wish that you you hope it will happen, but you don't expect anything because that will ruin somehow your trip, your plan. Yeah. And what I like I said it, it was exactly what is what I expected. You know like a, a, a nice surprise, you know, to to happen to meet you, to to have a conversation, to go and hang out with the kids that were working at the hostel, to party, to talk about meaningful things, but also to laugh about other issues and realize, because I have always known that we as humanity have many things in common that we, we might not aware we do have. And we might assume because of globalization that we share a lot of things like music and things like that, or entertainment or all this pop culture that is happening around the world. But when you need to start a meaningful conversation or at least to laugh about very foolish things, that's when you realize that we are a, a, a one race, you know, we are, we have this thing in common that is humanity and that, and when, and when traveling solo and in, places where I didn't know the language or didn't know what I was going to expect. And finally meeting people and allowing myself to just be and enjoy and go along with the, whatever was happening. It was, like I said, it was exactly what I was hoping to happen. And, and I was really grateful for that uh, time in Budapest, certainly and for all the rest of my trip, for sure. How long was that trip for you on this time? Uh, I was um, a month and a week total in Europe. And you went to a lots of different uh, European countries on that trip. Yeah, yeah. I, I visited uh, France, Switzerland, Germany, Hungary, Czech Republic, and Holland. Nice. Yes. And was that something you'd been planning for a long time? And was it something that was for mostly personal reasons? Or was there a little bit of professional development in the pipeline as well? Um, well, professionally, mm, in a way, yes, because I have always wanted to go to, to Europe. Um, and the reason why is because uh, at some point of my life, when I was younger, I had the chance to, to be roommates with people from, especially from Germany, for a period of four years. Different students will arrive in my city and uh, they will be in an exchange program for architecture where most of my um, greatest friends were at also. So that, that's why I got to meet these people and put me in a new perspective in, of what I thought about German people, certainly, and then and after about Europeans in general, because by living with these people, I learned a lot about uh, their culture, what happens or what had happened in Europe in the last years. And it raised my curiosity to get to know these places. And also because uh, two of my greatest and beloved friends uh, have been living in Europe for about 15 years now. So for them it has been a bit difficult to come back to Mexico. So it was also, um, how can I say, a promise, a delayed promise I made a long time to go and visit that I, I knew I had to do it. It was the time to do it. And on the professional side, sort of say, 
well, you know, I've been doing some, some photography and in, in the realms of what you can do with photography, I'm not really into wedding photography. That's something that I'm not into. And a very good friend, a guy that lived with me in that time, got married and asked me if I wanted to be the photographer for their wedding in Germany. So it was a mix of situations. And I said, okay, well, I, I don't usually do it, but I will do it this time and I will have to do it professionally you know so that was a very cool experience definitely it was when you love the people you photograph where you have a connection with them mm. and you can and you this is why i guess i haven't done wedding photography before because i don't know these people you know i'm happy for them <laughs> that they get married <laughs> but since i don't know them i i don't think i can build a connection and if you want to portray love and happiness I think you have to build this connection with the people. And my good friend Kai and his girlfriend, Christina, it was such a loving moment. And it was so beautiful to see my friend being so happy. His parents has pa had passed away a few years ago. So for him to have his friends, his buddies, and it was very important that was his family so for me it was very i was very honored to be asked to do this and uh, it was great it was really cool so since i was carrying already my the good camera that i had i said well let's let's see what else develops mm. on the on the course of my trip and see what happens with the camera and see and let's see if we can start doing other exercises or building up connections with people one thing that intrigued me specifically when we met in the hostel was your photography. Do you always travel with the expensive camera or did you take it because you knew you were going to have to use it for your friend's wedding in Germany? At the beginning, for example, for the trip in Europe, I was thinking about taking my older, yeah, my older camera, which is still professional, but it's not the, the, the definition of the, of the image is not as good. Mm. But because it was very expensive and I was like, man, I know when you travel, there's always the risk you will get robbed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, and, and, and if you travel alone and staying in hostels, like in that kind of situation, it's easier that you could get robbed. So, but I said, no, it's, uh, I will put the good energy on everything I do and let's hope that nothing will happen, which at the end, did happen, but uh, but it wasn't my camera. Yeah, I got a stall in Paris, my last destination. Mm. And the first day I arrived to Paris, I was my money got stolen at the hostel. Wow. Yeah, it was screwed. And but luckily, I already met a few people right at the arrival that somehow embraced me and helped me through my stay and then buy me the the mu museum tickets a few beers. Yeah, I was lucky to be to meet these people and to have their help at the end of the, of the journey. But yeah, it's very unfortunate your money got stolen. But did it show you again, like you were saying earlier, the humanity of people you can meet while traveling that although you were in a situation where it could have been a very lonely and morbid experience for you that other people came to your aid and embraced you and supported you and, and included you so that your trip and your experience in Paris was a positive one. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful of, even of getting my money stolen, you know, because it taught me once again that 
you need to, when you have an opportunity in your life, let's say a trip to Europe that you haven't done before, yeah, you need to take care of your money, you know, save your money. But at the same time, you need to spend that money, man, because <laughs> you work your ass off to have that money for the trip and you need to make it worth it. You know, you need to, you, you are thinking, oh, I want to have a nice meal. Give it to yourself. Yeah. You know, I want to get another beer. Give it to yourself because you never know if the next morning your, your money will be gone, you know, and, <laughs> and it will suck because you save your money for someone to take it, you know, at the end. Yeah. And, and I was saving me and it was, it's funny because I was saving my money when I arrived to Paris because I knew Paris was going to be expensive mm -hmm. and I wanted to give me myself the time of my life. You know, I wanted to well, have a feast. I have a really good food go to all the museums I, I always dream about going, you know, like I, I wanted to be there like a princess or a king. Mm. And, and, and I was in, an, in another way because these people that I, like I said, they treated me so good, you know, like a, a girl, a woman that was in the same room that I was staying with, she beca we became close, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have, a, we built a connection and that was quite beautiful, you know, and Maybe if my money wasn't stolen, our relationship will be good, but not the way it was because she, yeah, she was, I, I'm very grateful mm. to her. I'm very grateful. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely story, mate. Yeah. Talking more about your photography, I'm curious if you have particular things that you like to photograph as a photographer, whether that be landscapes or uh, portraits or wildlife, or if you're one of those food photographers. What, what's what's your uh, your favorite types of images that you like to capture? The the thing that, ca that that captures my attention, no matter what, is light. I have developed this um, taste or passion about lighting. You know about how light can change throughout the day, and how light can, when when hitting on someone's face, can make someone look in a certain way or an object like. Light is something that I'm always curious about. Even, even if I'm not carrying my camera with me, I'm always looking at light. And I will always, uh, if, if you're walking with me, I don't know if I said that when we were walking in, in Budapest, uh, but I'm sure I, I might have done it because this is a common comment that I will do while walking with a friend or just like, and, and say, wow, have you seen how the light is hitting over there? Like, I'm always paying my attention on how light is moving. Yeah. Even if it's shade or if it's almost dark, I, I'm really passionate about it. So that's the thing that totally blows my mind. So it, either if it's a landscape, a portrait, or um, photographing an object, uh, light comes before any, everything else. But secondly, and that's for sure, I think people. People are a very key and important part of, photography in my life definitely yeah that's that it really drives my attention i do remember because we spontaneously uh, randomly bumped into each other in one of the major parks at the top end of uh the pest side of budapest and <laughs> yeah I, I just heard this voice alan it's like oh wow where did you come from i just was in the spa and i, I saw you oh cool man let's go walking and yeah you were you were saying about the shadows from the trees and the shadows from the, the castle yes. 
building that we walked through. Yes, yes. And then you actually took some images on your camera and also your phone and were showing me how you can manipulate with some of the programs, the, the different the lighting settings and how you can create an image in the place that you're in. And it was really, really nice. I, I enjoyed that. I always like to see the passion in people's eyes when they're talking about something mm -hmm. they really like to do. And I definitely saw that with you. I was wondering, have you seen any aurora? Have you been up in the very north or in the very south of the world and been able to see the aurora? Well, this is a funny and very interesting question because I live in Canada for four years, but I never went really up north in Canada. The north, the, the northern part I, I went to was in the north part of uh, the province of Quebec, which is a huge province, Yeah, but it's still a long way to go. But um, yeah. but um, this time was very unique and special as far as I can tell and as far as people or, or the people that knows that this happened were really amazed about this phenomenon because we were at the lake nearby Ottawa and it was getting dark and it was so amazing, man. Like I was, I was seeing my friend's face while we were talking and... It was cool because the the moonlight was over there, and at some point his face started to turn out greenish, and I was like, "Wow, what what is that?" I thought I was I was too high, <laughs> <laughs> but but then we we look up and there was an aurora, a green aurora floating and starting to form in the sky, and it was a very special moment because my friend said to me, this is so rare, man. It's so cool that you are able to see this because even me, he said, I, I haven't been able to see this kind of things in this part of the country. I have to go really north to be able to see it. So to see an aurora in that situation, in that um, geography, that point of Canada was um, a very cool experience. It was very unique for sure. Did you have your camera with you at that moment? No, 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 not even cellular phone. I, this is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so oh, wow. Yeah. At least you have somebody that you shared the moment with. A very special friend, for sure. If you had the camera with you, is it something that would be quite tricky to capture, the Aurora, do you think? Because it's dark, you will try to do a long exposure to be able to, to capture as much, as much light as possible. But the thing is that since the Aurora is moving, a long exposure won't give you like the solid image of the aurora, which you will be yes. expecting to have. And also, the, and also, it depends a lot on the type of camera you have, because the the more professional the camera is, the the more ISO you can expose with less grain, and, and therefore you can capture a frozen image. Let's say uh, of an aurora that is actually moving. But if I was able to do a photo or to photograph an aurora today, I will definitely do a time lapse. That's, that's something, that's a thing that I have on the side of my photographic projects. They really like time lapse and I've been working on them. So I will do that for sure. Ulysses, I wanted to uh, talk a bit about your website. I was having a look at it recently. I was really intrigued by the, the people and places section on the website where you uh, go around different parts of your home country and take images of regular people just in their regular lives. 
What inspired you to go on that trip and take these images and then have it on your website? This is very, I have to say this because it's part of the story and this is really, really cool part of the story. Not because it happened to me, but mostly because from whoever is going to see or listen to this podcast, I think it will be cool to, to know and even try to give it a try. Uh, I approached the photography as a, as a way to heal. I was coming from coming through some really hard times and a very difficult time in my life and um, decided to quit many things. My career as a cultural, yeah, I used to be involved in cultural affairs a lot, about 15 years doing that for either film festivals or different projects related art and culture. And um, I, I, I ended up... At, a relationship so the world collided it was the end of the world at, at the moment i understand through all all the years that i was able to to work in these projects i was the, the person in charge of media always and i always had the opportunity to be with the artists we invited and either do an interview for the festival that i was working with or take the artist to either a newspaper a radio station or a tv station to be interviewed and one of the questions that the reporters will ask, and maybe if they didn't do their work properly, will be the obvious one. Like, how did you start on this field of expression? How, what took you here? And it was very interesting to, to hear all, all the stories or the reasons behind the, the creativity, the creative projects of these people. But it was very interesting to, to see that mainly the foreigner the foreigners the the artists that came from overseas when they found out about a word in spanish that is artesano which means artisan in spanish these two words are a combination actually of arte and sano and sano means uh, healthy or to heal so when they realized the the meaning of these uh, two words for them it was really cool because they said because i I, I went into art because I wanted to heal. And that idea stuck in my mind for a long time. And when the time came for me to find a way to heal, I remember this and I decided to give it a try. I, I, I decided to go work on these projects because I love art and I always been inspired by art, but I never thought about myself as an artist. And I think that's a, that's a thing most people believe, that you have to be this certain kind of people, of person, to be able to become an artist or to express through art or, or through an art form. To be honest, that's a huge lie. Yeah. And we, are, we all have the chance to go through it. Maybe not to be our lifestyle entirely, but to have that as a part of your life is as good as doing exercise or eating healthy. You know, it's, it truly is like a therapy. It's like going to therapy and really just putting out there whatever it is that is going through you outside to put it somewhere else yeah. and let it exist because it's good to remind what happened, where it comes from. But it's also great when you see it and you can see that you overcame that situation. The whole thing with photography was at the beginning that, you know, I was making photos for myself and being very uh, private regarding this thing that I was doing. 
And with the pass of time, the photos started to be noticed by people that came to my house. I had my office here at my house mm -hmm. and people started to come to come over and have a glimpse of a few photos that I was taking. And some of my colleagues uh, said to me that it will be really good if I started to share my photos on social media just to see what could be the reaction. And th the reaction was really good. And it, it developed into something, into what it is right now that is part of a huge part of my professional, personal life. It's definitely a key aspect of my life today. But answering your question is that I have always traveled. I have, uh, this is a passion that I have since I was very young, but really I started to accomplish it when I became 15. That, that's the time when I left my mom's house and start living on my own. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person who truly, every time he goes on an adventure, tries to meet people and connect. I have this thing, you know, I will talk to everyone. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> in Mexico, it's a great place for that. You know, if you start a conversation with the lady that is making tacos or with the sir that is, uh, I don't know, cleaning up the park, people will be open to talk because we as people, we like when someone approach us and ask how we are, yeah. who you are, what are you doing? And I'm super curious, you know? And so this thing has always been part of me. So the moment that I, I, I was starting to carry my camera on my trips, it became just natural that every time, every time I met someone, it was natural to close that moment, to keep that moment with a photo. And it, it is very interesting because in photography, this, this genre that is a street photography, you know, that you take, you go on the street and start to take photos of people, of the city or whatever, but people don't know those photos are being taken. I admire and I like uh, this gender uh, photography, but it's amazing when you allow yourself to go and talk to the people, somehow got you intrigued and decided to make a photo. It's so cool when you, before taking any photo, is, um, decide to, to go there and actually talk. And once you're over with that conversation and ask for a photograph, the results that you can get are unique and beautiful and that's a true image like a very sincere image of the the energy that was being exchanged at that moment something that ha has been told to me regarding these photos the people and places series is that they can tell it is almost like if i knew these people from a long time before i did the photo and and, uh, and this is something that had really i see i understand yeah I, i'm i'm so grateful to this you know because i there was not an intention intention really at the beginning i was just capturing and doing this documentation of my of my travels it turned out to become something very special and unique and actually today's is my voice in terms of photography it's where you can tell that's ulysses making photography so yeah um right now it had developed into something more structured and more uh, something that I thought a lot before actually going and, and do these photos and tell the stories. Mostly the storytelling. The, the, that part, I'm, I'm structuring better and truly find a narrative that can be seen throughout all the photos. Yeah, and I think that's definitely evident in the images that you've got on your website. 
you can see the connection and you can see the 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 energy between you of being very familiar yes. even if you've only known each other for a few hours or less another interesting thing you brought up ulysses is how the culture in mexico is such where the people who are who are from there are very friendly and open to anybody who is interested in them i was talking to a couple of other people on the podcast in earlier episodes and they had nothing but positive things to say about their experiences in mexico even to the point of mexico being way up in their top list of countries of places they've been and some of these people have been to many many countries and mexico is way up the top and i think it's probably a lot to do with the people and the connections and the conversations that they've had with the local people in mexico that bring such a warmth and a really positive memory from their time there to be honest with you, and this is something I think we talk about in Budapest, I was looking forward to, to build these connections throughout my trip in Europe because I knew I could do it. You know, I knew I, knew I wasn't uh, shy, I, I could speak English, I speak French, I speak a bit of German. So language and openness wasn't the problem for me. I'm sure I said this to you that at the beginning, I realized that it was so hard. It was really hard to, to build these connections. Like, for example, like, man, one of my friends, my best friend, Genaro, who is a person that I travel with a lot. <laughs> he's so, he's so good to me in terms of that he's someone that he's always uh, on a schedule. He knows where he wants to go, all the money he is going to spend, the, the time of the day that he wants to arrive. <laughs> and I'm the guy that, hey, we just met someone. Let's go here. You know, like. I'm the kind of person that will change, turn the, the, the route of the trip like that if something pops out. So yeah. I knew this could happen to me. You know, I, I, I was very confident that I will meet lots of people no matter what. But as soon as I arrived in France, I arrived in Lyon at the beginning, and then I move on to Switzerland. I noticed it was really hard to actually like catch someone's uh, look or exchange looks uh, and mm. or a smile or especially women felt uh, somehow i don't know like um, intimidated by this guy you know as soon as i realized this i said i need to change my strategy so i decided to give it a try to to connect with people through instagram i will look into the the cities that i will be visiting yeah. and check who's profiles were active and seem interesting to, to, to get to know. And it worked out. It was really cool that um, I was able to connect with people throughout the, this platform and um, actually ended up making some really cool photos. And more than that, having building up a, 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 the starting of a friendship and also coming out with very unique conversations because when you don't know each other, when you are total strangers, the beauty about that is that you can give yourself the chance to true to be yourself you know sometimes when we are in our city with the people that know us for a long long time sometimes we don't give our give ourselves the chance the chance to change you know and change is difficult when you stay in the in the city that that you have been living a long time and when you travel and meet new people they don't know you they cannot judge you for anything and that's a great opportunity. If you were looking forward to try something for you, to try something new about yourself, that you know you have it, 
but you never you were shy shy or afraid to put it out there when you travel it's a great chance to do it so it was also a great opportunity to just be you know and be and truly be and yeah and those uh, memories are i i truly um, i'm very fortunate uh, that i have them really really wise words there and uh, i've experienced you know similar thoughts in my own journey from various trips i've been on the curious thing ulysses is you mentioned you're in Switzerland, where you found it difficult to connect with people. Sometimes, I suppose, when you're in different countries, there's always the cultural differences and, and the ways of interacting with people, especially people you don't know, maybe is something you have to adjust to. What I, I really admire about you is that you were so you know, versatile and able to go from old fashioned style interactions where you, you make eye contact and then you, uh, you go and talk to somebody, <laughs> which was, you know, how we used to do things before smartphones and, and apps and things. And you just sort of, like you said, you just went, okay, this isn't really working for me. Maybe I should try using an app or a platform like Instagram, finding connections through my, uh, my technology. And that worked for you. So that's really cool. Cause I think some people might whether they're doing old-fashioned way or whether they're doing the new way with technology, if it's what they normally use and it's not working for them, they might get a little bit upset and start having not such a good time. But you were just someone who had the wisdom, okay, this isn't really working. Maybe I should try another strategy. Yes. And that worked for you. And then you had a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so cool because I knew I was going to be not long time, a long time in each city I visited. I didn't want to just spend the time on the obvious places for tourists, you know. Of course, I wanted to check out, check out the Eiffel Tower and all these things. But at the end, the reason to connect with someone, also uh, getting to know somebody from that place, a local, was to get to see the local scene in a way, you know, to be in a place that I won't be able to go without someone taking me there. And that's what actually happened. It was really cool to end up in, in a house of someone, let's say, making photos and talking about life and spirituality. And on the other side, being with a, a graphic designer, making photos in a huge warehouse where a bunch of artists in, in Amsterdam have their studios and a place that you won't be able to go if you are uh, a tourist, you know. And that's what I wanted to see beyond taking the photo in the in the traditional place or the the place that everybody wants to take a photo or eating the traditional things which is also cool which i believe food is a huge part of uh, my traveling also but in this time i wanted to have a, a glimpse of what it is to live in these places and by meeting someone from there i was able to do that that's definitely for me one of the best opportunities to get the authentic experiences through the eyes of a local person. If you're somebody like yourself and quite an outgoing person, it's a useful tool to use to meet people and network with local people, get that authentic experience. But also there are apps, you know, these days where you can connect with local people and that way get to see a less touristy and more real sort of perspective of the city you're, you're visiting? You know, I'm personally, I work with technology. Everything about my work, the work that I do, either photography or the work with, uh, that I do at the drone company that I work for or with other projects, technology is a huge part, a, a huge deal of everything I do. To be honest, every time I can, I turn off technology because it's too much sometimes yeah. but 
I embrace technology because it's part of human creativity and of the human essence also, I believe. In the same way that we had letters or uh, we sent mail in the past, and then we have the phone to talk to someone in the distance. Today, we have these apps that is bringing people together. Our people are bringing people together and not to to see it like that and take advantage of, of that is uh, turning your face away from something that it's, uh, it's unique about this time we are living and uh, it is worth living it and trying it out, you know, and God knows what is going to be, what is going to be in a few years, you know, maybe these apps will disappear and something very interesting will start to happen, you know, like augmented reality, virtual reality. With the pandemic, it's for sure that virtual and, and augmented reality are going to become key parts of how we interact as, as humans. So, yeah, maybe the human touch is needed and you, we need to keep it in our lives. But we wouldn't be able to have this conversation if it wasn't for technology. So I embrace it and that's what I did or what I usually do when I go out on a trip. I really take advantage of technology to help me reach people or reach the places that I want to go personally. To be continued. You've been listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. Part two of my conversation with Ulysses Santa Maria can be found along with other episodes in this podcast series. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me at The Nostalgic V. Thanks to Tom Forfer for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time.